The scripture today is Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasmus. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of God's Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the Demionic sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the Demionic and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the reading of the Holy Scripture. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Diana. Just as a reminder, uh, we do have the sign-up sheets on the table in the lobby out there. If you would like to try reading Scripture or uh, if you want to sign up to be usher, we have usher spots again, or the booth. There's always time. You can always be trained on the booth if that's your preference. <laughs> What kind of stories do you prefer? Like, would you rather that I... I'm, I, preaching is a little bit different, but if I were to come over to your house for dinner, would you rather that I told somebody else's story? So if I sat down with you at dinner and I said, listen, this is a story that Diana told me the other day. She told me this story. It was really awesome. Let me tell you all about it. Would you prefer that she told you that, or that I told you her story? Or would you prefer that I told you a story about my own experience, right? Something that I had done in the week before or maybe from 10 years ago, something that uh, I could tell you in my own words what happened and then maybe the, the hidden benefit of such a first-hand experience would be that you could tell the emotion that I was having. Maybe it's a sad story, but you can tell that as, I, as I'm sharing the story with you, I'm sad, it, it evokes sadness within me. 
Or if it's a funny story, we laugh together. If it's a joyful story, a breakthrough of some sorts, uh, you, you feel that emotion. So it's about the words that I share with you, the actual story, and the emotion that we share together. This is my testimony, so to speak. This is the, the evidence that what I'm saying is true. If I were to tell Diana's story or Laura's story or Helen's story, you'd say, well, you might be making it up completely. And it's true. <laughs> I might be. I would never do that, Garnan, right? You see, these are the types of moments that we connect most deeply. It's easy to talk about other people, uh, even if it's good things. When we get together with family women, we might tell everybody else's story, but we might not talk at all about our firsthand experience, our firsthand story to say, this is what I'm feeling this week because of what happened, or this is the experience that I had. Instead, it would be easier for me to say, did you hear about Wendy? Did you hear about what she went through earlier in the week? And part of that, friends, is human nature. Because it's hard, it's hard to tell our first-hand account, to share our first-hand experiences. It, it requires of us vulnerability, which is getting harder and harder in this life. To share our first-hand experience, especially if it's not necessarily a joyful moment, is to be vulnerable, to risk being rejected, to risk not being listened to, to risk being made fun of or diminished. Oh, you're not quite as strong as you should be. That's one of the things that we inherently value in our culture. But there's no question that our first-hand stories, the first-hand experiences that we share with one another are what bond us the most. They create the strongest relationships possible. And without those, I would, I would argue that we can't really have depth in relationship, that our relationships are stuck at surface level. So let me ask you this question. If someone were to ask you, maybe it's a stranger, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's someone in this church, if they were to ask you, what's your first-hand experience, what's your first-hand story with Jesus? What would you say? What story would you tell? Now hold on for a second. I'm not talking about what's your first-hand experience in the church. Like, oh, I really like coming to the potlucks, which are great, by the way. <laughs> I'm talking about what would you say is your first-hand experience with Jesus? What story would you tell about your walk with Jesus if they said, just tell me one story, just one story. I want to know. I'm trying to understand. Is Jesus real? Does He still work in the world today? Tell me your Evidence. Tell me the experience that you've had and help me to see that it's possible that Jesus could be present in my life in the same way. What would you say to that question? What story would you tell? This Gospel of Mark that, we've, that I've read today or that Diana read and that I've read once in the last couple weeks is chock full of stories about Jesus. Some of the other Gospels have more teachings of Jesus, like the book of John, for example, is more of a theoretical book. There's lots of teachings. But Mark is like the action movie of the Gospels. <laughs> story after story after story about what Jesus is doing and how he's bringing in the kingdom of God. The difference that Jesus is making in people's real lives, everyday lives. And this story that we read today, this story 
is perhaps one of the most compelling stories in all the Bible, if you really think about it. Think about what it must have been like for this man, this demon-possessed man, who's living in the graveyard. It's kind of weird to just go hang out at the graveyard, isn't it? If I were to go set up my hammock in between trees out at the graveyard, people would really be concerned. Especially if that word got back to you, that your pastor was hanging out in the graveyard, you'd say, uh, he's really gone off the deep end. But this man, in this specific story, is cast out to the graveyard. That's the only place that he's able to live. And they've tried to bind him because he's so dangerous to himself and uh, apparently to others. They've tried to bind him with chains, and the chains don't work. So he's cast away. He's scraping himself. Imagine this. This is Some people who are... Uh, have trouble with drugs and addiction do this sort of thing. They scrape at themselves or maybe they have uh, severe anxiety and depression. They cut themselves. And this guy's out in the graveyard by himself, cut, cutting himself, scraping himself with rocks and howling at the moon. Think about that image for a second. And so when Jesus comes into town, the man is compelled for whatever reason to come to Jesus and realizes that Jesus is Lord. Now, there's, it's not really quite clear if it's the evil spirits within the man or the man himself who realize that Jesus is Lord. But nonetheless, the man comes and says, what do you want? What do you want around here? I feel threatened by you. And the rest is sort of history in this text. Jesus casts out the demons into the pigs. This is a hard image to talk about, really. And the pigs run off the, the cliff and the man is cured. What's the reaction of the people in the town after seeing this? They're terrified. And I don't blame them, frankly. That's uh, not a, a sight that I would want to see. I wouldn't want to be there. I'd probably want to hear about it, but I wouldn't want to see it. The people are terrified, but not the man. What's the man's response? Do you remember? The man comes to Jesus as he's about to leave and says, please, please just let me go with you. This deep sense of need, of understanding, like, this really is God because I've experienced this freedom. I was in such bondage, such captivity, but now I'm free. And the man was compelled to go with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, that's not the purpose that I have for you. I've already established my disciples for this time in history. Your job is to go and to tell everybody about your first-hand experience. Go and tell about what the Lord has done for you. And tell them about the mercy that He's shown you. And mercy is another way of saying, we need God. That we can't free ourselves from our own spiritual captivity. We need God. And so the fact that God comes to us and saves us, that's mercy. Because God doesn't have to do that. God doesn't have to bring us to spiritual freedom. And so the man goes and starts doing exactly what Jesus said, is to go and tell all the people. First of all, Jesus said, just go and start with your family. Just tell your family what God has done. And the man goes and starts telling the whole city. And the text ends with saying, everyone was amazed. Now that's quite the transition, is it not? To go from everybody's terrified of this person who's cast out, who's hurting themselves, who's howling at the moon, and the same person is telling a story 
that now everyone in town is amazed by. That's an incredible transformation. I wonder though, was it as much about the story or was it something else? I think that it wasn't as much about what the man was saying, but more of his presence, the emotions that he was showing and the felt change that was present uh, when that man came and was telling people the story. See, Jesus had, in fact, changed his life. He had released him from the physical bonds, the physical chains, the, the physical captivity. But Jesus does more than that back then and still today. Jesus does more than address our physical needs. Jesus got at the spiritual needs, the spiritual captivity. And that's what changed the man's life, to cast out the demon. And now, when he was with them, he's a completely different person. A total transformation. Think about the excitement that would be felt in this person's voice. The joy, the courage that he's now showing, even just to go around other people. Don't you like stories when people are excited? When you can tell that they're excited? If I'm standing up here and saying, well... Jesus is the Son of God. Maybe this is what you're used to. <laughs> Sorry if this, is what you, if this is what you want. Jesus is the Son of God. Changed my life. That's not as exciting, is it, Dave? No. <laughs> and it's not fun, and you can tell if somebody's faking it as well. But when someone's had their life changed, when the bonds are gone, when the chains are gone, there's a joy that comes from within the heart. You say, Jesus is real. Look at what's happened. There's incredible freedom that is found in this life and Jesus grants it. This man had a compelling story to tell and everyone was amazed. Now, truthfully, it is hard for most of us. And I've heard all these stories. Gina's helped me to understand this in a much deep, deeper and personal way that not everyone has had a life-changing experience with God. Not everyone has had their spiritual chains re uh, removed, released. So it's hard to generate that kind of excitement. It's hard to have some kind of compelling story to tell. Because you say, well, I've never struggled with addiction. You know, that's been my story that I've told you. I've said I've, I've struggled with addiction. I've uh, got kicked out of school. And the reason I tell you those things is to show you what Jesus does. Not at all. Trust me, I don't want to talk about those things. <laughs> I would much rather you look upon me and say, oh, he really knows what he's talking about. But it's of primary importance that you understand what God does rather than seeing me as some sort of authoritative figure. So it's easier to recognize the chains of addiction or uh, failure, or physical uh, ailments, it's easier to recognize those chains. It's a lot harder to recognize the spiritual ones. So I wonder if I said, what are your chains in life? What are the things that are holding you back from the life of abundance that you know that you want to have, and the life of abundance that Jesus wants for you? What would you say? What are those chains? I don't 
mean anything, like I, I don't want you to feel any shame by this, but most people would probably say physical or emotional things. Say, well, I've been having a lot of pain. Well, I'm feeling a lot of sadness because of this loss in my life. I'm feeling that uh, really I would like to lose 50 pounds. I'm feeling like I'd like to be in better shape or I don't want to lose my memory or I want to have my good health. Most people would say that those types of things, those are the chains, that's what's keeping us from the abundant life. But what would you say are the spiritual chains? Ah, they're harder to recognize, aren't they? Most of us don't think about our spiritual chains about what's happening within our heart, about what's keeping us from walking with Jesus and experiencing the peace, the hope, the love, and the joy that He offers us. Jesus says this. I read it in the text today. Why didn't I leave this open? This is what Jesus says to when people believe in Him. He says... You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. What if, friends, the spiritual freedom that Jesus offers, this moment of having our chains broken, are not as much about the physical things like this man in the text, but they're more about the spiritual chains that we all have. We all have them. We're constantly needing to allow Jesus to break those chains off of our hearts so that we can receive the abundance that Jesus wants to pour in. So what are those now? Well, this is what we read in Galatians 5. Uh, Paul says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up into slavery again. For you, were called, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This text goes on to talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The evidence, so to speak, the felt evidence that when we tell our stories of God, when we tell our first-hand experience, these are the things that emerge. So if I were to tell you that uh, I'm struggling with some sort of life circumstance or challenge, some kind of loss that I'm going through, but I was really anxious and nervous as I'm telling you, that would not be a, quite as a believable thing if I had said, Jesus came and has saved me, or my faith makes me strong, which is really good to say. But this is how people, this is how other people will know that you're, that it's real, that you mean it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, faithfulness. If we're not exhibiting these types of traits, if people don't sense that we're peaceful when we're saying that Jesus is real and they should inquire about Christianity if we're not having a loving posture towards them and showing them kindness, even our enemies, our story's not that believable. 
And so it makes me wonder then if we don't have a story to tell like this man of, of our chains being broken, our chains uh, being removed by Jesus, the spiritual freedom, then maybe we're not getting at the spiritual bondage peace. Paul goes on to say, actually he says this first, these are some of the things that are more of our spiritual bondage. I won't list them all. Idolatry. Hostility. Jealousy. Anger. Selfishness. Envy. And then we read in, in 1 Peter another list that's very pointed. I had this one marked. I should have left it. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. What a perfect one. Can you imagine if all we ever did was talk about our firsthand experience? Just imagine how that would change your life. Just leave God out of that, out of that statement. If when you got together with your family, you just talked about, this is what I did this week. This is my experience. This is what I learned. This is what I read. This is what I'm enjoying outside in my garden. What if we talked about only our firsthand experience? And how much would it change things if we talked about our firsthand experience with Jesus more than we talked about who's not doing what? or who's not coming to church, or what the church isn't doing right, how much more powerful is it to talk about my first-hand experience? To say, Jesus has set me free. You know how you can know it's true? Look at me. Do you feel the excitement that I have? Do you feel the peace that I have in this life? Do you hear the story I'm telling? That's the evidence. That's the proof. And it requires of us to look inside. That's why we start every week with centering prayer to help you open your heart to receive whatever words would come from Jesus. Because you may not believe me. Some may think that I'm a hypocrite. But guess what? I'm human. <laughs> and every time I realize some kind of thing that's not right in my life, I say, Lord, open my heart. Lord, help me to see what I don't see. Set me free from these chains. That's, and friends, that's what this life is all about. That's the life of abundance that helps us to see we are powerless without Jesus. We can't set ourselves free no matter how hard we try, no matter how competent we are, no matter how much we know, unfortunately. I'm near the end of my degree. I wish it were true that... <laughs> It were easier for me now than it was before, but no. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit to work within our hearts to help us to see the things that are keeping us in bondage. And when we surrender those areas of our lives, first when we look, then when we surrender, well now all of a sudden, friends, we have a compelling story to tell with our words and with our emotions. As we say, I was hurting. And Jesus somehow, in some way, made me strong. Gave me strength. Supported me by the love and, and 
and fellowship of the church. It doesn't always have to be a deep spiritual truth, but just some compelling first-hand story. So what are your spiritual chains, friends? You could tell me all your physical chains, I know it, or emotional chains even. What are your spiritual chains? What are the things that are holding you back from walking more closely with Jesus, living that abundant life that you and I both know we want to live? I want to live it. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I pray that we could all walk in that freedom. And that whether it's starting with our closest friends, the people we trust most, who it's easier to to be vulnerable with, people within this church, any other area of your life in this community, whatever, that when we share about our church, we're not just sharing about the physical things of this church, but we're instead sharing our firsthand felt stories of Jesus. May God bless us with courage and strength and discernment to know what those stories are and what our spiritual chains truly are that are holding us back. Amen. So today, the reflection questions that I have